BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Friend of a Friend. I'm your host, Olivia Perez. I'm a journalist, interviewer, and the creator of the show, where we get to sit down, meet a new friend, and go inside the minds of some of the most innovative and creative forces shaping our world today. I'm so excited about today's guest because she has been a massive influence on my career for about a decade now. If you're like me and are a huge fan of Create and Cultivate, I am so excited to have Jacqueline Johnson, the founder, on the show today. I am a huge panel nerd. I absolutely love panels. I love being in a room with a bunch of curious people, and I really feel like it was such a big inspiration for me growing up as a journalist and actually a really big driving force behind me starting this show. So today is a treat for me, very full circle. And for those of you who are just meeting Jacqueline, Jacqueline is the ultimate multi-hyphenate. By the time she was 28 years old, she had already sold her first business, No Subject, invested in multiple female-owned startups, and launched her second multi-million dollar company, Create and Cultivate. What first started as a small conference in Palm Springs for ambitious women has now become one of the most globally recognized, fastest growing communities for female entrepreneurs and small business owners. The Create and Cultivate team have hosted hundreds of events. They've had speakers like Issa Rae, Meghan Markle, Kim Kardashian, and Martha Stewart, and they have a digital platform with a plethora of resources for ambitious business owners. In this episode, Jacqueline guides us through how she truly created a career she wanted for herself in the hopes that we'll go out there and do the same. I hope you guys love this episode. If you haven't followed the show yet and left us a review, please do. It really helps the show grow. And there is nothing that puts a bigger smile on my face than when I see a review from one of you guys. And of course, if you love the show, share it with a friend. I love seeing when you guys are listening. So take a screenshot when you do and tag me on social. I will always reshare and probably slide in your DMs and say hi. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. I appreciate you all and hope you have an incredible week ahead. Here's my friend, Jacqueline Johnson. Hi, everybody just tuning in. We're in a brand new studio in the Dear Media space. It's thrilling. It's thrilling. And Jacqueline's here with us. I'm so excited to have her because I've been I've been such an admirer of yours for so long, like for a very long time. I'm a panel like nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have lots of panels, luckily, for you to check out. As someone who loves to hear herself speak and someone who's done like a zillion panels and like thrives in them and loves them, I've just admired your business from afar for so long and have enjoyed the panels that I've been included on and just think what you do is is really what is so needed for all the female entrepreneurs that are out there right now. So I'm just so excited to have you and get to learn more about you and the business and the back end of it all. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Of course. And guys, I was also just on Jacqueline's podcast, Work Party. 
I think it will be out by the time this is out. I feel like yes. Yeah, yes. I think it's coming out next week. Yes, so, so and definitely. and you're the week after. So also go check that out on Work Party and like check out the whole podcast because it's amazing and like you will get so many gems from it no matter what you're working on right now. So definitely head over to Work Party if you are curious. So in learning more about you, I learned that you went to NYU. Yes. So we are fellow Bobcats. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 4,000 years ago, probably 100,000 years before you were there. But yes, I went to NYU. Did you like the experience of NYU? I feel like some people either love, hate, totally. somewhere in the middle. So I loved it. Okay. I actually transferred my sophomore year. So okay. I went to school in Boston or outside of Boston, I should say, um, at College of the Holy Cross. It was a private college in Worcester okay. in the middle of nowhere. And you know, I had a really good scholarship there and, you know, my parents were really excited. And my first year there, it was like small town vibes. Like mm -hmm. I had no, I knew everyone on campus from freshmen to seniors. And I was like, I want to live in the city, you know? So oh, I boy. applied on my <laughs> own and um, ended up getting a decent scholarship, not as good as the one I had left behind, but transferred, which is a very weird and unique experience in college. So I packed up all my stuff. I like drove myself to New York and basically and I'm sure you can attest to this, NYU is, is essentially living in an apartment and going to school in a city. It's not like you're on a connected campus. I would call it night school. Truly. <laughs> and you kind of are a, you really get thrown into the circumstance that you're put into. So I was, I wanted to be in a dorm, obviously, because I wanted to meet people because I was new. And I had a roommate who's still one of my good friends these day, to this that. day. But she also studied abroad her freshman year. So she was new, too. So we kind of were able to connect and create friendships and grow from there. But I loved it. I felt like every movie you watch, getting off the subway, going to class, having the internship at Condé Nast, like I was doing the thing. Yep. So I loved it. But I can see why people hate it. <laughs> and you had an internship at Condé Nast, too? Yes. Where were you? I was at Traveler and then Self. Okay. So you and I had a pretty much identical situations. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up working at Teen Vogue my freshman year and my fondest college memories were me going to class all day. And I don't know what Gossip Girl episode I thought I was in wearing like a full skirt, button down, pair of heels to class, wearing them all day, walking to the subway no. and then walking through Times Square and then going to Condé Nast in the afternoon don't know what I thought I was doing, but like I look back on it now and I think it's, it is maybe the funniest like test of my character of all time. It's truly what you think you're supposed to be doing. Yes. And then like month two, you're like, where are my sneakers? I'm going to swap them out. I'll be running because it just, I don't know your experience like Condi, but I was just running errands all day long. Right. Like sweating, running errands and then getting yeah. people coffee and all that stuff. I didn't have that experience. I was definitely in the office, but yeah, I, I was in the closet at Teen Vogue. Mm. So you were I, in a cold, small space. For yeah, I like would take off my shoes and like unpack the boxes and be like, Okay, like Amazing. what's next? Um, but yeah, definitely to your point, I love what you said about making sure you were in the dorms because if anyone's listening right now that is either applying to NYU, transferring, you got to live in the dorms. Mm. That's how you get your experience. And I hate when people are like, there's no campus or anything like that because there really is. Like there is that kind of central community around the park. What were some of your favorite spots that you would like to go to? So I was in CAS and I okay. lived in alumni dorm, which I don't, it was, yes. it was a good location. So it was right near St. Mark's, like third and eighth, I want to say. So in right the before heart, third North, right? Ex exactly. Okay. Like right before that. 
it was like in the heart of the East Village. So right. for me, I, I loved walking around that neighborhood. I loved, you know, being able to walk to campus. I had classes like all over the city. So yeah. I was a journalism major. And I just always was like, you know, around Washington Square Park and, you know, kind of cruising around. I worked at this. I wonder if you know it. It was this shop called Purdy Girl, P-U-R-D-Y. Where was it? Because I'm visualizing it, but I can't. It was like that font. Remember that like glitzy yes, font? Yes, yes, yes. It's cursive. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I just don't, was, I can't visualize where it is. It was right below campus, like a block away. And I worked there as like, you know, a shop girl, truly living an episode of Gossip Girl, yep. but at Purdy Girl. Yep. And so I would just like go back and forth and like, you know, do my thing on campus and then go work. And um, it's so cheesy when I say it now, but I loved it. I loved being in New York. And I think being in New York in your early years, you know, in your 20s and late teens, it's like such a shaping experience from, from a college experience, also a work experience and relationship experience. And I just think New York is such a special place. We'll be right back after a quick break. My morning coffee is my favorite time of day. Not only does it kickstart my whole mood, but it's also an incredible way for me to get those extra vitamins that I might be missing out on, which is why I love to use gold. It's a company that's on a mission to make wellness easy, fun, and approachable. With their suite of superfood wellness products, everything from gold is vegan-friendly and made from 100% superfoods. Plus, they are so delicious too. Gold recently launched their newest superfood powder, the Coconut Collagen Boost, which I've been adding to my coffee every day. It's a plant-based collagen creamer that boosts your body's collagen levels from within. It's a collagen powder, but there is no collagen in it. Yes, I swear. With simple ingredients like biotin, hyaluronic acid, bamboo extract, and coconut milk powder, Gold's Coconut Collagen Boost naturally and effectively boosts your body's own collagen production. It's an effective and plant-based way to get your daily boost of collagen, and it tastes amazing. As I mentioned, I love to add it to my coffee, but you guys can add it to smoothies, matcha lattes, and more. The possibilities are truly endless, and it really adds that creamy, coconutty kick to your daily routine. Or if you're looking for more, I really recommend trying the company's original turmeric latte blend or their very, very popular ceremonial grade pure matcha. To celebrate the launch of the newest product, Gold is giving friend of a friend listeners 20% off the Coconut Collagen Boost. Use code FRIEND to get 20% off your first purchase of Coconut Collagen Boost by heading to gold.co, that's G-O-L-D-E dot C-O, and use the code FRIEND at checkout. In a study by Esquire, 54% of women said they'd rather be hit by a car than considered fat. If I'm being honest, I've been those women. So for me, this isn't just a podcast, it's personal. I'm Danielle Robay, TV host and journalist, and years of celebrity interviewing taught me that beauty isn't about what you look like, it's about who you become. Each week, I'm having thought-provoking conversations, digging into the stories of people who put a new spin on pretty. From entrepreneurs and authors to politicians and celebrities, no topic is off limits. So join me every Thursday for a new episode to feel pretty inspired, pretty seen, and best of all, pretty smart. So you have this really, really awesome origin story, which maybe wasn't awesome in the moment, but I think everybody could definitely take some gems from. So you were offered a job that moved you cross-country to LA, kind of against your will. You weren't really into it. You were like, okay, sure, I'll take the job. Lo and behold, just to get fired three months later. I'd love to hear a little bit about that experience and what it's like to build something or where you even like took your first step after 
having lost your job. Yeah, absolutely. So I was working and and pretty successful in New York at um, IAC, which is a massive conglomerate. Like they own Match.com and the Daily Beast and things like that. And I love my job. And I worked for this company called Pronto, which doesn't exist anymore. And my boss was John Foley, who's now the CEO of Peloton. Um, and so- I hope you got a free Peloton. Oh my- I. Look, Peloton sponsored <laughs> Create and Cultivate in like 2014. We were Full ahead of circle. the curve. Yes. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, he's awesome too. And so the recession hit. So, you know, kind of picturing what happened last year, but in 2008, 2009, and everyone was getting laid off. And I, I was like, I know I'm on the chopping block. And basically he came to me and said, look, there's a sister company out in Los Angeles. You'd have the same job, same salary, same title. And I was like, I have never been to LA. And I feel like I'm, a, I had black blunt bangs. Like I, I was pale. I wore black all the you time. You were not fitting in here. I was like, what are we no talking shot. about? <laughs> yeah. And he was like, no, I'm telling you, he went to grad school out here. He's like, I think you can be a big fish out there. And I was like, you know, I was like in this kind of crappy relationship. My lease was ending. It was like a perfect storm of things that I was like, why not? Um, so I came out here and started working at this company and it was a completely different work culture. So coming in, I already was fast talking, had a ton of ideas, was very early in the social media scene in New York. So was throwing out all these ideas around social media, which I'm like, I sound like a dinosaur, but it wasn't a huge thing then. And everyone was sort of like, calm down. You're a really aggressive. And I, I was like, wait, but this is like what I'm used to is like I, startups, ideas, making stuff happen. And it was just not welcome in the workplace I was at. And I did work with amazingly smart people. It just was a totally different culture shift. So within a few months, I was let go, politely let go and completely freaked out. I was in a city where I knew no one. The major industry in Los Angeles is entertainment, of which I had no experience. And I had just signed like a lease and was like, okay, what am I going to do? And so I definitely cried for a while and, and tried to figure it out. But at the time, I did have my blog. It was called Some Notes on Napkins. It was built on Blogspot. At the time, there was maybe like 15 bloggers. It was like me and Jerry Hirsch and like three other people. Wow. And Throwback. No offense. Sorry. No, to- <laughs> no, totally. It was like yeah. there was 15 of us, truly. And it was kind of when that started taking off. So I was like getting invited to things and kind of got to network that way and ended up meeting my business partner, future business partner on my first company. We ended up getting an office space together and I started freelancing for clients, eventually launching an agency called No Subject was Marketing Events and Influencer Marketing um, that was servicing fashion and beauty clients because at the time, no one was focused on that in LA. It was all in New York, only entertainment clients in LA. So I saw this hole in the market. I knew I had these contacts. And yeah, and then from there, I started my first business kind of by happenstance. So you were going to events during this time. And something that I often reflect on was when I was in college, there was a massive uptick in panels and these live events to the point that it actually, I would say for about two years was maybe 50% of my income as well was Mm -hmm. these speaking events. And, you know, whether they were, I did one in Canada, I did one in Copenhagen, like they were all over the place. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience back then going to these, these events and being able to be like, I see this, I'm here, but I want to do it better. What was it about it that you were like, I can do this better? So it was interesting because at the time I was, 
an early influencer, I guess you would say. I don't even think the word influencer existed. It was like I was a blogger. Um, And it was at that time where there was a very big push and pull of like media versus bloggers versus influencers, like this whole thing, right? But it was starting to take off. So I would get invited to these events that were beautiful and lavish and gorgeous and great. And you were posting at the time, you know, on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And I remember my sister, who is a few years older than me, lives in Florida, being like, oh my God, I would just die to go to an event like that. I mean, these are so beautiful. Right. And I was like, you're right. And it kind of hit me where I said, why isn't there events that are beautiful, fun and cool and interesting for everyone? For yeah. every woman. And it definitely took a while to like ruminate and get to the place it did because I started Crate and Cultivate very DIY. So the first Crate and Cultivate was held at the Ace Hotel in Palm Springs. They had reached out to me and said, we need to book rooms during the week. You know, do you have any ideas? And I said, okay, well, who can go to the Ace Hotel in Palm Springs during the week? Well, creatives, freelancers, business owners. Right. So we started creating Cultivate and I remember we took like neon electrical tape and like did all these cool designs in the room, like like the OG Instagramable moments when you have zero dollars. And we like got all these succulents and like put them everywhere. And um, we had all these amazing people come and like teach workshops and um, host panels and have chats, but it was tiny. I mean, no one knew about it. It broke even. It didn't make any money. But people saw it and were like, that's cool. And then they talked to someone or had a friend go and it just really caught on. For listeners who might not have been to a Create and Cultivate event or have been on the site, can you walk us through the dozens of things that you guys do? Because I'm always astonished every single time I go on the website, there is some new facet on there or like program that's giving back to small business owners. And I think it is so cool. So I'd love if you could walk us through kind of all the different things that you guys work on. Yeah. So Create and Cultivate, we like to say, is a media company for ambitious women. We do a ton of different things. We're most well known for our offline events, um, which obviously a bit on pause, but <laughs> um, hopefully coming back soon. But we would host conferences across the country that would host thousands of women to come here from the best in the business. It would have content creators, CEOs, celebrities all speaking, but it's essentially Pinterest come to life. It's a beautiful experience. There's pop-up shops with like world-class brands. There's sampling. There's awesome food. There's cocktails. There's networking. There's two stages. There's mentor power hours. It's just like a one-day festival. And then in between those, we do smaller events all over the country with different brand partners, bringing awesome women to come speak or do cool things. We also host influencer-only events. We have a podcast. We have a book. We have a product line at Target for office supplies. And then we also have a vegan leather goods line available at Kohl's. Um... We do a lot. You guys still following? You guys still here? (laughs) We do a lot of stuff. And um, very luckily, we do have a blog and a website that, you know, we've had forever, but last year became top priority. And I mean, it's amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we pivoted very hard in 2020 (laughs) um, to online events and online content. Yeah. Um, We now reach a million women monthly through our site, social and newsletters, which is awesome. Uh, So that was very exciting for us. But yeah, it's um, it's been a wild ride for sure. But we do a lot of different things. Thank goodness. Diversify your revenue streams if you're listening. Because <laughs> when 2020 hits or when something like that happens, we were very fortunate in that, you know, events were a part of our business, a significant part, but not our only business. I love that you just said that because when I was learning more about you and researching, I think you said in an interview that you are a creative person and not the numbers person. And I totally relate to that because me, math, numbers, business, like I I can't even come up with sentences to explain it of like not being able to understand it. And I'm sure there are so many people out there that want to start businesses and are like, I don't think I'd be able to manage it. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your process in 
being the creative, but also being the CEO and kind of having to drive the ship? Yeah. So in my first company, I was fully the creative. I had like no idea how much money we were making. I just loved doing it. I knew we were signing contracts. It was great. I learned a difficult lesson through that, you know, in that the money wasn't where I thought it was going. It was a whole mess and disaster. My mom's an accountant. I love my mom. When it that's kind good, of happened. That's a good family it's hack a good right there. Fa- <laughs> for sure. For sure. When, when it happened, she was like, kind of, I told you so. Like, she's like, you always have to know your numbers. And I hated it because I didn't want to. But I basically at that point gave myself a crash course in finance and learned to fall in love with the numbers. And am I by any means a spreadsheet guru that can like give you the cost per acquisition of no? But I do understand the fundamentals of like a profit and loss and how to run a profitable business and how to look at your OPEX and your costs and your expenses and be able to run something profitably without, I think, overthinking it. And I think that's like one of the benefits of being a creative is that I'm not so analytical and math driven that I get caught up in the numbers and make decisions based solely on that. I'm a creative and gut person. And so when I think something's cool and interesting, we do it. And then the numbers come. And we've been very lucky in that way. But I think there's something to that. And I would also just say, as you grow a business, you know, we're 20 people now, very different business than it was early on. I brought on a COO, CFO about two and a half years ago. And it was an absolute game changer for the business. Yeah. I And again, you don't have to hire a CFO, but you can hire like an accountant or whatever. If you're not good at it, Hire someone else to kind of come in, but learn from them. Don't just think that they're getting it dialed and handling everything. Have them review everything with you. Look over stuff. Know your numbers. It's so important because it is such a huge part of the business. Even if you are the creative CEO, creative director, you need to know at the end of the day where all the money is going. Yeah, I love that. I feel something that I think is has been such an integral part of my entrepreneur is outsourcing things I don't know mm. and building a team, but also still kind of having my hands in everything. You have to. In the beginning, I tried to do everything and it was just a nightmare, a nightmare. You end up not doing anything well. Even the thing you're good at, you end up like half-assing it because your brain is somewhere else. Oh, for sure. And, and that's part of it at the beginning, I think for yeah. anyone, but it's true. You you find out very quickly what you're good at and what you're not good at. And being able to staff, again, doesn't have to be a full-time person, can be a contract or this or that as you're growing. But yeah, it's so, it's so, so, so important. That's definitely one of the lessons I learned the hard way was when to hire and scale because yeah. I just kind of wanted to do everything myself for as long as possible. And it was definitely a detriment to the business. But learn that lesson and now hiring. It's a good thing. I can't tell you how many people come on the show and are like, I can't manage people. They like, it's really, it's a skill It's a skill set. And it's, you know, it's even something that I feel like is so, I hear so often just among my friends who have their own businesses. It's something that I think people struggle with so much. Most entrepreneurs are not great managers. Right. I think, and that's because, and now I've been able to witness it through some of my employees. And I was like, oh man, I'm so sorry. But <laughs> It's because you're in like go mode yes, all the time. idea mode, throwing idea things everywhere. Mode. Let's do it. Throw it on paper. Let's right. go. And you can make those decisions because it's your business. And what you forget is that people don't know that. And they're like coming in and thinking, am I doing this wrong? She moves so fast. And like, they don't even know how to respond to that energy versus spending the time training someone. Training is so important. It's a step I completely missed in a lot of my onboarding. That whole period of onboarding an employee is painful and timely, but will set you up for such long-term success, but it can't be you doing it. So it's like, you need to find that person that knows your style, knows what works, 
and have them just train that person. But I, I feel like, you know, it's one of those things where I'm not even mad about it anymore. <laughs> I'm just not great at it. But I also know I'm like, I don't want to be a manager. Yeah. Um, I think be able to like being able to name that and like say it yes, and not even powerful. like try to pretend and be like, oh, I, I clearly can't do this. I'm going to let you know off the bat is, is really powerful. You're right. I feel like in the office, you know, I said it before. I try to do everything. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of in that practicing moment right now of like, okay, how can I name these things I'm bad at? How can I find incredible people to help fill those spaces, also teach me and alleviate and also understand that I'm not great at managing? Yeah, it's really, I, and I'm telling you, it's that onboarding phase. It's yes. the first three months of every job where you just have to go deep with your employees and create yeah guides and and like really write it all out and have them just absorb that. Mm. Do you re- recommend a guide for every person that you hire? Yes. So we, we've had some incredible employees who like maybe left or whatever. Um, we had this VP of marketing who I still love so dearly. is one of my great friends, but she left essentially like a 20 page manual of like how, what she did, everything from like tactical passwords to logins to whatever, to things that she thought needed improvement to like her systems and processes. And the people she left it to came on and were so, and she stayed on to train them, were so ready to go after 90 days and have are still part of the company because they were onboarded and trained with so much great information and by someone who knew how to do it and had the time to do it. So I think it's important if someone's leaving your company or even as they go along, just be like, can you document any processes along the way or learnings that you can kind of annotate so that if and when you move up or go somewhere else or whatever, like we have this documented somewhere. Because, I love that. Yes, because one of the things is, you know, I do a lot of the sales for Create and Cultivate. And, you know, <laughs> I've been training someone to come on board and she was like, so where does all this live? All this information that you're telling me? And I was like, in my head, in my brain. In and my she was dying. She's like, got it. I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I wish there was a, every other part of our business is like someone has a documented, you know, Asana task management, blah, blah, blah. It's like, this is the one part of the business that I own. So therefore there's no, it's all in my brain. So yeah, I think that's really important to for the longevity of your business. We'll be right back after a quick break. This podcast is brought to you by Athleta, a performance lifestyle brand for women committed to unlocking their limitless potential. The guiding principles that drive every design, beauty, innovation, and sustainability. Each style is crafted for the unique needs of female bodies in motion. And this summer, Athleta is your go-to shorts destination. Distraction-free and ultra-lightweight, their shorts are designed so that nothing will get in the way of you and your goals. From bike shorts to Bermudas, run shorts to everyday staples, they have your shorts. My personal favorite pair right now is the ultra high rise elation shorty. It comes in a really beautiful tempest violet color. And I love to match it with my karma twist back cami that is the same color. It's just a really cute set that's super minimal, but high impact. There's a really cute design in the back. So it shows a little bit of skin. And I love how long the shorts actually are so that I know when I'm on a walk or it's a long day, I know that I'm covered for the whole day. In honor of short season, Athleta is encouraging us to lead with our legs, whatever that looks like for you. So whether it's running a new personal record, climbing to new heights, or standing up for what you believe in, let your legs lead you forward. This summer, I'm really trying to get outside. I've been hiking so much and wearing Athleta has really made me feel supported and also know that I'm looking really cute while working out. Summer is the time to celebrate the legs that move us forward. So find your new favorite pair of shorts at Athleta and let your legs lead the way. Visit Athleta in stores or online at athleta.com 
to shop their full range of shorts available in sizes extra, extra small to 3X. Let's talk about the sales a little bit because I think something back in my event days when I was in college and helping with social media and events and PR for certain brands, something that I always grappled with was this idea of what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Mm. So do you sell to sponsors first? How do you get the guests without the sponsors and the payment? How do you tell the sponsors what guests are involved? It's, I feel like it's like mm. totally <laughs> your face right now. You're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm yep. <laughs> it's a gamble. It's I, a gamble. The thing about Create and Cultivate it, that's interesting, I mean, that we've been very fortunate with is that, I mean, previous to 2020, I should say, but we would plan a year out. So we would have these events and then we would sell in the sponsorship and then hope that people would buy the tickets. But then by the end of it, we had such a good formula and such a good lead time that we were able to book so far out. 2020 has sort of killed that model uh, for a lot of people. Um, And even as we're starting to plan some events, you know, there's a lot of hesitation. So this is the first time where it's like a little bit like, "Mm, I don't know. Like, I don't know how many people will show up to a conference right right now in two months, let's just say. Um, Whereas previous to that, I'd be like, 100% we can fill this room. So it's a little tricky now, but I think it's important to put your foot in the ground, know the event that you want to do, be able to like grapple with the fact that you might lose money, understand what your cost is going to be, what your loss potential is, and go from there. And then it's like, if you need to ramp up on more ticket sales, put put an ad spend against selling more tickets. If you need more sponsors, you know, go hard in the, on the sponsorship type of thing or downsize the venue or get a venue where you can increase the size. Like just being practical about the financials of what the event is going to be is so important. And then as you get bigger, you take bigger risks, right? You get more expensive venues, you get things like that. But I think at the end of the day, at least on your first couple ones, you're just going to have to roll the dice. Definitely. I think also being nimble with it and mm-hmm. not being precious about like, oh, this is my vision. This is exactly how I see it. And this is how I want it to happen. Being able to kind of think quick on your feet and be like, okay, if this is falling through, we got to shift a little bit to make this happen. I think that's that's a really great way to think about it. A good example and like a great you know problem. One thing that happened to us is we were selling so many sponsorships for one of our events that we had to then go build a platform in a tent to house even more sponsors, which it's a massive cost. Yeah. You have to get permits. You have to do all this stuff. And I think we had like maybe four in there and I was like, we will fill this tent. So it's kind of like, once you know it's there, you got to go out with that energy to be like, we're going to fill this up and make it happen. But you kind of have to get into that build and grow scenario where you're able to fix the budget, fix the cost and know where you're going to land. And if it, like, if it ends up being a huge bust, just make it look amazing yeah. and take awesome photos. Right. And it was the best event ever you've ever had. And Talk like, you got to like get everyone's gonna be like, dang, I missed that event. And then I get them on the next one. Yeah. Two things, two little guiding principles. I always write down anytime I have a project I want to accomplish. The first thing is what are the three key steps to making this project happen? And can you do them? And what's the worst thing that could possibly happen out of this? And can you handle that worst thing? Yes. Those are my two things. And if you can write them down, you can look at that and be like, okay, I can handle that. Then the project is go. Exactly. Greenlit by me. And that's very much like an entrepreneurial. I always, people on my team are like, you're so negative because I'm always in worst case scenario. You have to be. I'm like, what if this wind blows over this wall? And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, this is where my brain is all the time. And you have to live in that space, but you also have to live in the goals and excitement and the what if space also. Yeah. What's your best tip for reaching out to people that you want to be a part of the project that you're planning? 
Oh, I've, I mean, I've sent so many cold emails in my day. I think like the biggest advice I have is a few different things. One is that there's so many amazing tools out there that can find you people's emails or the right people's oh, emails. It's so underrated. I it's, talk about this all the time. I'm like, there's this thing called IMDb Pro. Yes. You pay $20. Is it $20 a month or $20 a year? I it's something. Probably we know have that, it, but yeah. do it. Write it off. It's totally worth it. You get every agent's email in the world. Publicist, agent, and manager. <laughs> and another good one um, is Clearbit. It's a plug-in for your email and it's it's corporate. So if you're like, I want to know the head of sponsorships at Pepsi, like, boom, there's their email. Wait, um, what? Yes. And it's like a plug-in for Gmail. So one, get the right contact. Two, send a short email. Mm-hmm. I think like sometimes people send novels. It's like no one has time for that. Make your asks super clear or link out to a deck. My biggest secret is I always ask for a call. I'll say like, hey, blah, blah, blah. Check this out. Like, are you free for a call? And then I'll have my assistant jump in and say, here's a good time. And like, they don't even know what's happening. And they're like, okay, yeah, I guess two o'clock is fine. And then like, once you get them on the phone, you can sell them on the vision and then you do the follow-up emails. But I think like, first and foremost, know what you want, but ask them also, what are your goals? What are your marketing strategies? What are your campaigns right now? Like, how can I support and then tailor your response and pitch to what they say? You'll get a better, better response every time. I always say tailor the pitch as as like close as possible as you can. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about the subject matter within your panels. Because to me, that's always been what's caught my eye because they are so specific and nuanced to, I think, the female entrepreneurship experience. So I was a part of your Money Moves conference. And I can't tell you how much feedback I got from people just saying, I love that we're talking about this so openly. I love that everybody at this conference was just really honest about the things that have worked and haven't worked for them money-wise. Because I think especially among women, we're not really, we don't really feel empowered to talk about it that loudly. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your process in being behind the scenes and saying, okay, I want this conference to be about this subject. I want this panel to cover this and how that kind of manifests for you in terms of just knowing your audience and their needs. Yeah, it's been really interesting. So I would say, you know, for us, we have 20 employees, a mix of Gen Z, millennial and what is it? Elder millennial or zennial or whatever. Like, I don't even know anymore. Moms, you know, straight out of college. Like we have a total mix of people. So the best way for us to kind of approach this is like, what's on everyone's mind, right? Like, what are you thinking about? What's interesting? Who's interesting to you? Because obviously there's so much going on and I know what's interesting to me, you know, as a 36 year old CEO, but I also want to hear what's interesting to the entry level person who's at their first job and like what's going on. So that's kind of how we, we get into the panel topics. We also pay attention to the cultural conscious, like what's happening in the world. So what's interesting is that last year when COVID hit, which was like, insane unraveling of like a lot of what we had planned for 2020, what started coming out around that March, April timing was a lot of stress and questions about money. And the reality was that women were disproportionately more affected by COVID-19, specifically women-owned businesses, because the businesses that were able to survive COVID had cash flow, had money in the bank. And when you look at the stats of venture capital, only 2% of women get VC funding and it's egregious for women of color. 
So when you're thinking about that, the majority of the businesses that were able to stay afloat probably had venture backing, right? Because they have money in the bank, they've raised money, et cetera. So you had this slew of women-owned businesses that had to close because they just didn't have enough cash to survive, PPP loan aside. So that was happening. We, as a company, were also like, freaking out, frankly. And we're like, PPP loans, this, that, the other, like payroll furlough, the word furlough. Did anyone even know that word prior to 2020? Like, no, it, it was, was a sad buzzword. It was crazy. And so we got together and said, let's put together our first ever money moves, which was last May. Talk about money. And we brought in amazing women. Everyone came together and kind of just had these open and honest conversations. Like, are we letting go of people? What does that mean? Can they come back? What's the difference between a furlough and a firing? The PPP loan, do we have to pay it back? What does that mean? How do I apply? Like, we went deep into that and it was wild. We had over 10,000 people attend from 50 different countries. It was crazy. And it also was what set us up for success for the rest of the year because then we became known for our digital events, which was, we were very lucky. About a year ago, we were looking at different events and what was kind of happening. And the other buzzword that was kind of everywhere was self-care. Self-care, self-care, self-care. So we were like, let's do a self-care summit. So we did this self-care summit. It blew up. It's become our, one of our most popular events. So I think it's a combination of paying attention to what's happening and listening to your audience and also listening to your internal, you know, kind of curiosity of what's happening. But the one thing that we do is that I hate panels that are fluff. I hate panels where it's like, be ambitious, be yourself, be authentic. Right. It's, I mean, look, it's great. It's, that's probably true. But in my reality as like an entrepreneur, I've been in a lot of rooms with a lot of people and I've been through a lot of bullshit and there is formulas and ways to be successful. Yes. And no one talks about them. And so for me, when we're writing all these panel questions and putting these together, we curate every single question because I'm like, is this a yes or no answer? I don't want it. We need people to be tactical and talk about how they actually did it and what were the issues they had? What would they have done differently? Who helped them in that process? Because having now sold two businesses it's a formula and there's a way to do it. And no one shares that information because everyone's scared that once everyone knows, it'll be, there's not enough money for everyone. So I'm not a fan of that. I do think that there is so much value specifically for women because the reality of the situation is, and this is what I always say, is that to your point, women and money, there's this like four letter word, like, like we can't talk about it. We don't, whatever influencers. We don't want them to make money. We don't want them to do sponsored stuff. It's like this weird thing around it. Yes. But the reality of the situation is, is like money is power. Bottom line, we live in a capitalist society. So the more money that women have, the more power they have and the more financial power they have, the more apt women are to spend with other women. Meaning if you're in a position at a massive corporation, even looking at Crate and Cultivate, for instance, we have huge sponsors, MasterCard, et cetera. I would say 98% of our clients are women in those positions that give us money for sponsorship. So when women are more successful and in control of more dollars, they're more likely to spend with other women or invest in those companies. So I angel invest in different companies. I probably have angel invested in over 15 companies. I'm able to do that because of the success I've had, but then I'm able to give that back to the women. And men don't do that as often, which is interesting. So I think women making money is a good thing. So women talking about how to make money is a great thing. And I think longer term, we'll be able to see that power dynamic shift. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm 27 and it's something that I feel is just breaking its taboo in the past couple of years. You know, I've had so many friends that have come to me and been like, 
hey, how much money did you get paid for this? Mm -hmm. How did you pitch to this sponsor to be able to get this? And how much did they pay you? And I think that that has been just an amazing lifting of the veil in general Mm -hmm. because I don't like the secrecy of it all. I think when you're secretive about something, it breeds jealousy. There, from that, you're more competitive and it just puts people on opposite sides of the table, whereas they could be sitting next to each other and probably share, share, literally share in the wealth. I agree. Yeah. So it was really inspiring to be a part of Money Moves. I was so excited to be a part of it and like speak with some other incredible entrepreneurs who are doing really cool things. So thank you for hosting moments like that and for having me. It was just a blast. Of course. Yeah. It was really, really fun. What are some of the businesses that you're working with now that you're excited about? Okay. So I'm invested in a few different businesses. I'm sure you know some of them. Live Tinted is one. It's Deepika Mutyala's brand. It's awesome. Cosmetic line for South Asian women. Uh, or with the focus on um, inclusion in women of color, Chill House, uh, which Cindy— Shout out, Cindy. She Cindy. was on the show. Oh, yeah, Love her. Yeah, amazing. So yeah. I'm an investor in Chill House. One Kind is a clean skincare brand. It's amazing. I'm, like, obsessed with their products. I just invested in this company called Heirloom, which is reimagining the trademark economy, which sounds super nerdy, but it's actually awesome because— I think I got a targeted ad for this the other day. You're probably going to get five now that I just said <laughs> it. But it's actually awesome. So if, if you've ever filed a trademark, it's extremely expensive and really stressful because basically you're applying for, you know— this water. I want to call a company Mountain. Well, you can't call it Mountain because there's Mountain Valley Spring Water, but you can call it this in a different category. And it's that they are basically create, they create an AI software that crawls the uh, trademark sites, finds it for you and does your trademarks for $4.99. It's amazing. Um, So I think that'll be a game changer for small businesses for sure. And then Crown Affair, which I don't know if you're familiar. I have it in my hair right now. Oh my God, it's the best. The hair oil. It's the best. It's And I'm one of those people that it took me a second to realize that if you are not naturally oily with oily skin and oily hair, you actually need more oil to balance it out. Mm-hmm. It has changed my life, changed my hair. Amazing. Sorry, you guys, you can't see it right now, but Jacqueline can't. It looks, I mean, it looks I amazing. put it in my ends. I use the brush every day. It's amazing. It's amazing. So Diana Cohen, do you know Diana? Yes, amazing. I do. And so, she was formerly at Away. Yes. Right? And you're an investor in Away too? Yes. So I'm an investor in Away. I just invested <laughs> in my <laughs> first company and I'm, Who? Uh, it's a mezcal company called Rosaluna. Amazing. Yeah. They Wait, were also I- on the show. You've probably seen them all over Instagram. Guys, if you're listening, go buy a bottle on Drizzly. You amazing. Know. Yeah. Just self-promo. Rosaluna. Yeah, they're awesome. I feel like I've heard of it. Yeah, they were on the show. You should listen to their episode. They're it was they are just such like cool, innovative guys. So mezcal's a hot 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 topic. Yeah, Yeah. just like self care and money moves. I'm sure you can relate to this. Like as someone who has been in brand so much, and like if anyone listening right now has that with like whatever industry you're in, like if you can find a way to take it to that next level where you're actually using whatever power you have to help a business and give back to it, and like use those skills in a different way, like. That to me has been the most fun thing about like expanding my professional career mm. is like taking the skill sets I have, finding a different way and finding a different way to work it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I, yeah. It's, it's it's a lot of fun and you get a lot of joy out of it. And yeah. it's a great way to meet people and yeah. get out there. It's awesome. Speaking of investing and stocks and acquisitions, you just had a really, really exciting announcement that you guys were acquired and you had an amazing valuation. 22 million? Yeah, it was crazy. That's really (laughs) insane, guys. Congratulations. Thank you. It was so exciting to see that because again, having watched these, like the events and what you do just kind of blow up over the past couple of years and really become this like capstone of female entrepreneurship in a place where people go has been so cool to watch. So I'm so excited for you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, I mean, it's been a wild ride. It's my second time selling a company, but it's also, I think it's, it's very 
it's exciting, especially because we were completely self-funded. Yes, So we didn't exactly. raise any money. So it's interesting because it's a totally different ball game when, when that's the case. But I think it's been a really awesome year to see Whitney and Bumble and Jessica yes. and Honest and like all these IPOs and Stitch Fix really leading the way on that. I mean, I just think it's awesome. And I think we're like in for a lot more hopefully financial gains for women. Yeah, I love that. So exciting. What has that? I'm wondering, like, I always feel like once businesses announce these moments, like, has it changed your business on a day-to-day at all? Like, what do you feel this partnership is going to do for your five-year plan? Yeah, it's interesting. So a lot of people don't understand what private equity is. My Um, hands raised. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Give us a little lesson. (laughs) So when you're being acquired, you can be acquired by a financial sponsor or um, a strategic. So a strategic would be like if Refinery29 bought us, right? Because they're a business in the same business as us. We're being- Media, media. Yeah, media, media. Like we're becoming part of the Refinery29 family. We're getting plugged into like a bigger system. Right. So that's like one way of doing it. A financial sponsor is a little different in that they take over a majority of the company and then they invest in your growth for a secondary sale. So basically their goal is to provide you like the infrastructure and the consulting and the advice that you need to grow and scale the business. They can give you money if you need it. Uh, so you don't have to go out and raise like they have access to capital. So it's basically like getting a financial sponsor to help you build, grow and scale. And so for us as a company, we've had breakneck speed and growth. And we've been very fortunate in that. Um, We even had a really good year in 2020, which was like, for an events business, was very shocking. Literally an enigma. Like, it's crazy. Like, a live events in-person company had an amazing year during COVID. It's, we're very, very lucky in that the way that we ran the business up to, well, first of all, thank God for Q1, (laughs) that we all got to do some events at the beginning of the year. Um, But, you know, we were um, lucky that we had cash on hand to go out and, like, experiment. And and honestly, our sponsors were just so incredible. They stuck, stuck with us, supported us, um, which was amazing. But, you know, coming out of that, you know, we were looking for this, you know, this acquisition top of 2020 because we were like, we need to get to 40 people. We need to grow. We need to build and scale and grow this business. So when everything shifted and changed, it was like we obviously had to like shift our strategy. But we knew coming out of COVID that there would be such a need and a want from an online education perspective and the digital side of our business, which has grown and been successful. But also when events do come back, it's going to be gangbusters and super busy. So we want to be prepared for that on the back end and have the right finances in order to be able to tap into that when that happens. So yeah, day to day, nothing has really changed. I think, you know, we just have this financial infrastructure around us and partners that are really invested in our success. Um, So it's a little bit different than an acquisition where you get absorbed into someone else. So it's kind of the same. Right. In that way. Awesome. The queen of sponsorships over here. (laughs) Yes. All the sponsorships. I love it. (laughs) I love it. A few lightning round questions before we close out. Okay. Who is your favorite female entrepreneur right now that we should all be following and supporting too? It's so hard to say like one big like favorite entrepreneur. There's so many, yeah. but I mean, I do think what Deepika is doing is awesome with Live Tinted. If you, I think she's at Deepika on Instagram, but yeah. her company's Live Tinted. She's really creating this incredibly inclusive brand. She's also just fun to watch in her family and all of her videos and stuff. I just like love what she's doing. I love that. What is a daily practice that keeps you sane? Mm, probably walking my dogs. What is the best piece of advice you would give to your younger self? Ugh. I mean, I think it would be don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah. I think in my early 20s, I 
I always was like, oh, like, I wish I was in that article or I wish I was like having that success or, and it's, everyone goes through it. And I think at the end of the day, it's like, you have to own your own confidence, your own story, your your own successes. And I, you know, I think that I got over that and was able to become friends with a lot of those women that I was admiring. And I just think you can't compare yourself. It's, it truly is like the worst thing you can do to limit yourself. If there was one resource on createandcultivate.com right now, it's actually just createcultivate.com, guys, that you recommend an entrepreneur go look at right now, what would it be? I would say our membership. So we, we have this membership. It's called Insiders. It was something that we created that we're like, especially during COVID, that we're like, this is such an amazing resource. But it basically has every single panel that we've done for the past four years archived. So you can wow. watch literally anything. I mean, my conversation with Meghan Markle's on there from 2016. <gasps> <laughs> it's like, she's like totally different person. Probably. I know. And she was hilarious and so lovely. And like, it was so funny. The news broke like a month later that she wow. was like dating Harry. We were like, wait, what? Um, Is Money Moves on there? Money Moves is on Guys, there. I had so many people asking how they could watch it. Go yes. to the website. It's Go to the there. website. And then also we have these amazing bundles like cap table downloads, budgeting um, checklists. So I think it's $95 a year. Like, it is. It's, I saw it last night. It's yeah. super cheap. Like we try to keep it like really, really tight. Also you get free, you would get a free ticket to Money Moves. You get a free ticket to all of it. It's just like- Totally worth it, guys. It's totally worth it. It pays itself back in spades. But um, I'm just like, I wish I had this when I was starting my business. Oh, a hundred percent, especially someone like me who started in college. I had no idea what I'm doing. Still no idea what I'm doing, guys. But we have Jacqueline here. So you know, <laughs> we're doing something. I'm doing okay. Yeah, doing I think okay. I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on today. Of it was course. so nice to see you and hang out in person. Same. I yeah. know. In person. How exciting. I know. First of many, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.